0: Todd, can you put the time? I do so much better when I see the time. Or should I shall be sitting here for a long time. <laughs> when the Lord gives me a message and it's revelation, it's like a five-day conference, you know? And the more I have grown in this ministry, it just, I have to get in control of the, of the teaching. So I just honor God because it's his word, and it is his word, and it's so awesome because he uses his word so that we can grow up in him and know what we are called to do. Hold on for a second. There we go. Okay, my notes even fall out. You know this message is good. You know how you know a message is good? The message is good because every morning I worship, I get into the word, and the Lord builds a message over weeks. So this has been brewing for two weeks since we got back from Miami. And every time I start writing on this word, my pen dies. Yeah, I'm telling you. And today I was like recapping it real nice on paper. And then all of a sudden, my pen dies. I go to a next pen. My pen dies. I have no pens in my bag. I have no pens in my desk, right? I rushed to this um, uh, uh, um, an entertainment thing that we have because I know Rachel has little zippy things with pens. I found one pen and it says labor force. Well, I was like, this pen's going to work because it's got labor force behind it. I sit down. I get back into it. It writes a little bit, and it does what? Dies. You know, in high school, I never ran out of ink. I didn't really write a lot of notes. I didn't pay attention as much, right? I'm thinking about this. This is so funny. How many of us have been in school and we never had a pen run out? And now we seek God, and we are writing, 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 and our pen keeps dying. I had to resort to lead. I had to get to some lead to get this message out. So you'll laugh. Some of my notes are in. Some of my notes are in. Uh, are in this? Yeah. Okay. So praise God. We are supposed to be entering into his rest. Is everybody in his rest? Okay, well, we're going to find out tonight if you're in his rest because part of the hold on. Okay, I don't, I like to actually hold it. Okay, here we go. We are supposed to be entering into rest. This ministry has been teaching about the movement that happens in the body of Christ. And the first thing we learned is we have to do what? Die. We have to die. All right. And then we talked about what? The burial season. And you know what? The Lord gave me a great revelation where he said, you know, when men press in for a season, then it's a time for women to press in for a season. And it's so funny. He was giving us even dates and times then that, you know, we have to press in during certain times. Well, now we have entered for July, August, and September to enter into his rest. Okay. So we have to understand, are we really in his rest? I want everybody to think about it. I think some people on Thursday got into his rest. I think some people have already gotten into his rest. But you know what's important? We're going to double check ourselves and make sure we understand the importance of the rest and why we're in that rest. Because when God wants to bring us his victory, before we can receive, we've got to be able to know how to rest. So please put up Hebrews 4.1. We're going to go through this. The purpose of the rest is to build and prepare us for Faith in action. There has to be a faith in action. Our faith can't just be sitting and trusting God. There actually comes a time our faith moves in action. Because you know what's so important? Faith precedes a miracle. Now, that, I got this revelation. Faith precedes a miracle. Everything that has happened to me in the past seven years in moving and growing in this ministry, hey, I can think of the times I've experienced the miracle. But let me tell you, he was building my faith. He was building my faith. So rest is important because our faith is getting so built up in the rest that it precedes the miracle movement that's coming into your life, that's coming into this ministry's life, that's coming into Savannah as a whole and an expansion for advancing the kingdom of God, making us ready so we can act and move into our new place. Move into our new posture, move into our new position in Christ. That's what Christ is doing. He's trying to get us so we can be, we can be one with him and move where he has us to be. We have to be able to hear the Lord from his heart. Man, this verse says, therefore, since a promise remains, that means everybody in here, a promise remains for you to enter his rest. It says, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Okay, now I'm going to read that again. Since a promise remains of entering his rest, so we went through death, we went through burial, there's a promise that reigns still to enter his rest. We are in that time. We have July, August, and what? September to be in his rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, nobody in this ministry is going to come short of it nobody in this ministry is going to come short of it but i love that word because how he reminds us he wants us to know how he's already saying there's a possibility you can come short of it how can you come short of it now i love this vision the function of the soul working out our salvation constant movement is moving when we get receive the word of god we have to reason with god not with ourselves when we it's time for us to make a choice The adversary comes. There are people come in here. They hear the word of God. They get really excited. They go out the door. Boom. And the enemy comes and you don't seek him. You're not worshiping when you go home. You say, Hey, that was a nice word, but you didn't choose him after you walked out the door. Something interrupted your flow of focusing on him. All right. But when you get past that, when you actually receive the word, meditate on that word and you start experiencing your, your, your death, and your burial okay you know you've entered in the rest because the tempter comes so we've already dealt with the adversary now these little dots are the little tempters like we actually have a really cool animation of it where the tempter comes in this quadrant in this quadrant of time because the enemy wants to mess with your emotions you can't rest if you're emotional Okay? Come on. He wants to to touch on our fears. He wants to start pulling out fears, anger, lust, perversion, love of money, pride, sickness, demons, anything he is going to. He wants to get that escalated so you can get out of your what? Rest. Okay? Well, the temptation is good. Clap about temptation, right? We are getting excited about temptation. If anybody in here starting July 1st has already experienced temptation... You are on track. Yeah, your arms up. Who's had some temptation and anger? Right on. Who's had some temptation and, and, and fear? Right on. Who's had pride? Say, hey, some people have got attacked sick. You know, but I'm going to tell you something. The most awesome thing about sickness and anything that attacks your body and it starts to flare up, that means God is right there in front of you because he is looking for you to have faith, believe, and trust In the word he already imparted in your ear. It's what do we do with it when we're in this? So I love this. I'm so excited. I get excited when temptation comes now because we're on the winning team. I mean, that is the awesome part. So when temptation comes to me, I got it. I really, I'm excited because I am watching it. We actually get to a point where we can discern the moves of God. We are going to not be a house that is going to perish for lack of knowledge. If we understand the word, whew, I'm going to tell you. So I get excited. Don't come crying to me if you have temptation because you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. When people talk about the i Yes. When people tell me about the opposition, I'm excited. And you know what? I'm so glad people have gotten used to me <laughs> at this point because once I realize that, you can't come to me and start whining about your circumstance because I'm going to start smiling because in that circumstance, he's testing you. Okay? So. As the Lord was revealing to me, temptation is to test your faith. Man, rest is a time to build your faith. So if he's building it, he's got to what? Test it. You will have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because remember, our emotional fears, all the things that attack us, are just trying not to get us look up. It gets us looking out. And when things get look out, we're going to talk about that. What happens when we start looking out. The temptation is good. Because all he is looking for you to do in this time to build your faith is that you're the will for you to sacrifice your praises to him. This is a house of praise. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of intercession. This is a house that has an assignment that what's going to happen as, as our faith builds, I mean, our praises are just going to break us up into another elevation. Man, there's always elevation. Eternity is what? Endless. There are, I mean, I'm not even going to put a number on the elevator. There is just elevations of breakthrough, elevations of breakthrough and more elevation. But he's not going to put us in a place that he has not had test our faith. Okay. So you will also have to diligently seek him in all things. If you feel weak right now, when you get up, you better ask him what shirt to wear. <laughs> I mean, that's how, why, how do we build our faith? If you are really feeling an insecure, you start asking him in all things. You invite that Holy Spirit in in all things. Because you know what? When we start feeling out of control, okay, when we start feeling like we're out of him, we start wanting to make our own decisions. Oh, quick decision on that. Quick decision on this. Quick decision. As I started been feeling this, everything now I do, I really put to the Lord. I really do. Even in this time of rest, I need to build my faith to another level. My faith is already up to a certain level, but it can go to a what? Another level. And same with all of us. We've all been born with a measure of faith. Okay. So let's look at Jesus. Okay. Because we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. What were the things that Jesus was tempted to go to Matthew chapter four, verse, do two verses at a time, one and two, we're going to go up to 11. There are three points about what is being tested. And I want, if you know what's being tested, you're going to know exactly what's happening when the test of temptation comes. So we have three months, and I'm going to talk about three points of temptation. It said, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, I like this. It already is supposed to be that way. Man, when we get buried, we feel like we're in the wilderness and nobody loves us and everything is right. Okay, but we know that by the Spirit... We we're going to be lifted into the wilderness. And then he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was hungry. Okay, come on. When you are hungry, you are desperate to go down to McDonald's and get a Big Mac, a fries, and everything that you want, right? Okay, now I want you to think about this because I, I deal with this. <laughs> I love McDonald's. I'm gonna, I want to own a McDonald's one day. McDonald's is good for you. It's all on how you manage and eat and count the calories, right? So what is important is Jesus was hungry. This really hit me. Jesus was at a point in his progress before he entered into his next season, he was hungry. Man, think about the spirit. We get hungry for the things of God, don't we? oh my God, we're laboring, we're pressing in. And when it's time to rest after you just died and got buried, you're ready to, you are hungry for a change. Okay, it's in the Word. (laughs) So there's a time we've all been a little hungry lately. We want something more, all right? And that's good, but we have to really be able to identify what's happening in that time. Next two verses, three and four. It says, now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it was written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Point one, you cannot get into your self-need. Okay, when you look at that, he said, if you are the son of God, Now command these stones to become bread. Think about it. He was hungry. Do you know what I mean? He has been stones. We're going to get on that. To become bread. All right? Think about our in the physical. When we're hungry, we want something to what? Eat. Okay? So he was in, but he answered and said, it was right, man shall not live by bread alone, but he shall live by every word that proceeded from the mouth. So he had a choice to deal with a self-need, versus the need of leaning on the word of the Father. Now, I'm going to tell you, if when we are new in this, the first thing God's going to get you in your rest to get you out of your rest is you're actually going to feel a lack of a need. There might be a need because you're hungry to get what God has for you. So you have to remember you are to lean on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now that can be from your time in worship. That can be from a leader that you have to, let me tell you something, temptation is tricky because God and the enemy, the enemy knows our weaknesses. He knows what we want because he's seen us, but God has a bigger plan and a better time. And those who are knowledgeable of his moves will be able to capture when the tempter's coming to fulfill a need. We have amazing testimonies that people have experienced this. I have people that were about to buy cars. When God was bringing them their car, there was the promise for the season. And what shows up? Oh, well, I'll lend you money, pay me back 7%. Do you know what I mean? Before the car. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I went to the bank. They accepted my application. (laughs) Come on. When you need a car, I'm just using that because we've had a lot of car testimonies. And the Lord has really dealt me because now I see it. Right when God is about to deliver me from my debt, man, everybody's was wanting to lend me money with interest. Oh, I'll help you, I'll help you. No, every time somebody came to me and said that, I knew it was the what? The tempter. Because God had a plan and he wanted me to lean on every word and every instruction in my rest, in your rest. He gives you the strategy and the plan. See, we're in a rest to build faith so we can hear that word. Okay, is everybody on that? Very important. So the first temptation is going to come because it's going to want to try to supply and give it, but not as it was preceded by the word of God. So everybody understands that? Okay, second, go to the next two verses. It says, then. Okay, so I love it. Jesus passed that test. He stuck with the word of God, not the need to impress this guy on taking the stones and turning it to bread. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. Okay, now we're getting into, I like it. He's going to have to work him a little bit more than the average. To set him on a pinnacle at the temple. Okay, now I want you to think about this. Before he was just talking to him. Now he was putting him on top of the temple. Man, what is a temple? It's a building. A building that has to do with what? people go to, to 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 meet god and he said to him if you are the son of god throw yourself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone okay i'm loving this stone <laughs> okay this is good I just laugh because I can't think this stuff up. God has to give this stuff to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing how when you spend time with him, he was trying to teach you something. And it's leaning right on his word. And he's only going to give you what you need. So this is cool. All right. He actually was trying to self, he was trying to elevate Jesus before his season. He actually was self, he was like, hey, I'm putting you up here. And now I'm telling you to do this. And it was self-elevation versus God-elevation. See, Jesus didn't need the temple. Jesus, he was the fullness of God. Okay? So think about this. There is a time people are going to come and they're going to try to what? Elevate you. When who does the elevation? God. Beware. The second temptation. I remember when I was growing here, people started hearing me teaching. I had a pastor. You need to come to our church and speak. But they didn't want to talk to Gene. They were trying to do what? Self-elevate. OK, when we start growing in the things and where God has us, beware of the temptation in the season, because you can know where God's taking you, but you don't put yourself there. God will elevate you in the season. OK, isn't that awesome? I'm going to tell you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And we're going to talk about what that means, because that is a warning. That is a warning. All right. Next two verses. Next two verses. All right. This is awesome. Remember. What is being tested? Your relationship with God through the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I'm trying to help you discern what's going on. All right. Jesus said to him, it was written again, you shall not what? Tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him now. I like this. To an exceedingly... Okay, the devil already decided that something was higher than the temple. (laughs) Okay, an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Next two verses. So now he's taking him, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I like it because you know what? The worship is where God wants us all to enter into. So now he's not just touching the word. He is touching how Jesus is going to worship. Worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. What was happening is here, you are either going to choose to self-receive or. Or you are going to work in your worship, and then he is going to bring you that receiving. It is called the. This is what seduction of wealth and power with a price. Come on, how many people can try to buy you off? Buy you off? Now I, I, we've seen that happen this ministry. I'm a Chris and Tory. Chris and Tory come in this ministry, right? The first thing is we we see things are happening. We know he's got to grow. We know the first temptation. Somebody comes and wants to get them married like pronto. They're going to pay for the way and they're going to give them a car. They'd buy them a house. Praise God those people came to us and said, I want to do this for them. And when we sat down, we're like, okay, simmer down, right? It was the season of temptation because God already brought them. He was leading them by the spirit out of their wilderness into their destiny. And now what, hey, they went through that. They had need. They wanted, they want, people are trying to elevate Chris, taking Chris, saying, Chris, you need to come to our church. You need to come to our church. Then the third thing, what happened? Man, who, who was he going to worship? Because if there's a price added, guess who you would have been worshiping? The devil. It's not even about the people. It's not even about the people. Good people can be used in the temptation of your hungry emotions. And you know, we're so hungry for God. We, we do want to succeed in God but we've got to understand that hunger and we got to understand the timing and the moves of time and seasons. If you know there's a season coming in your life, beware the tempter is coming right before that season. He's got to, it's the word we have. I mean, this is what's so awesome. I don't want to hear anybody say, I'm skating it by tempter. Didn't come to me. No, it says, it says later on in that chapter, Jesus, uh, Satan was going to come again to Jesus. When it was time for him to be crucified, who was knocking at his door the night before? Right? Trying to get him not to walk the crucifixion. Every big season that you move into and God is developing you in time, you can be prepared that right before that season come, temptation. And these are the three marks of it. What is the need that you're looking for? What is what is what is going on in your conscience? What is going on? What, what, is, what are you hungry for is what the devil's going to start working in those arenas. Your need, your self-need, your self-worth, and your self-ability to give it to yourself. You know what? Come on. We can. God gets called somebody to be in media. Do you know what I mean? But all they do is labor, go into college, and do all this stuff, right? And they're growing and growing and growing. But God never called them to do that, to go to that college. Do you know how many people want to go to colleges and it's not where they're assigned to go? I'm serious because God has another plan. Thank God for the body of Christ to discern for people around them. That is so important. I mean, Rachel had to come to me and said, Mom, I am not going to college. I've planned for this kid's college. I have a college fund for this kid. It wouldn't even have been, I never touched it. It would have been easy to send her to what? College. And she comes to me, Mom, I know it's God. And you know what? I'm like, I believe you. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But now I had to tell my family, which not that I was really close to my family, but we've got doctors. I mean, everybody's educated. (laughs) I mean, if you didn't have education, you were stupid. You uh, They don't even, your opinions, I'm telling you. I I know. And I know people have, you've all experienced when somebody's turned their nose up to you for lack of education. And you know what? Education's good when you're called. I'm not saying that's bad. But I'm saying it's awesome that Rachel was able to discern she wasn't to do it. So she had what? People to protect. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy came. And even through a relative, wrote a letter. Big. She was a big disappointment. Wrote the word big. Disappointment. It hurt me when I saw it. But I was watching Rachel. How was she going to handle it? And boy, she handled it awesome. She was like, nope, I know that's God. So don't, you know what? When we are confident and our faith is being built, there is no bringing it down. Do you know what I mean? I've had some seasons where I know God showed me what was going to happen, whether it looked good, where it didn't good, but I had to make sure to brace my understanding because I know he was going to still build my faith. So everybody has faith that has to be built. All right. Are you excited? All right. So what king are you choosing? What king are you choosing? Who is influencing you? Are you self-centered or are you going to be God-centered? Are you going to let yourself give it to yourself or are you going to let God bring it to you? We are told, the fruits of the Spirit, we are told to have self-control. Man, that is a fruit of the Spirit. So when you're going through temptation, man, you better check yourself. Do I have self-control? I'm hungry. Do I need that burger? Do you know what I'm saying? Do I need that job? Do I need that award? Do I need that elevate? You get what I'm saying? Who am I worshiping? Okay, so now we're gonna we're now we're gonna hit we're gonna get to some root on this. All right, there is a state of a being when we're in this quadrant, and that state of being has to do with our conscience. Now we're gonna hit some things about conscience. I love this. A conscience is a state of being. It is the outer band. Oh, I need a rubber band, rubber band. It is the outer band of the regenerated spirit. Because why? God wants to use a conscience, and so does Satan. Satan, it's the outer band. Do you know it is so awesome? He can influence your conscience, because this is the purpose of the conscience. All right. All right. We are, our mindset must be processed, changed. So we know how to make these choices during the temptation. Remember, self-will versus God's will. Put up Hebrews 10.22. I'm deciding who I'm going to use for the rubber band. Okay. <laughs> Carrie, It's Carrie. He just rolled his eyes. <laughs> it's going to be Carrie. He just rolled his eyes. Okay. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of what? Faith. We have to draw near to our promise, even though we got to go through the adversary, the tempter, and the opposer. But we have got to draw near with full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil what? An evil conscience. From an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. You know, that's so awesome that we have to go through this process because in this process, he wants to change our conscience. He already tells us in the word, word our conscience can be what? Evil. Evil. And we, I'm going to tell you, when we're living in the second heaven, we think we're right, <laughs> and it's evil. Our conscience can be evil. That means it can misdirect your way. Your conscience can actually misdirect you in the time of temptation. All right? Our conscience wants to tell us. Because it was designed to distinguish between good and evil. Man, Adam and Eve, they were living in glory, right? And then what happens? Okay? They fall short. They get tempted. Okay? And when they got tempted, the conscience had to choose to eat from the tree of what? Knowledge. The tree of knowledge, he said, now you're going to know everything God knows, good and evil. So I want you to think about this. This came from the fall of man, how we have this conscience that judges good and evil. Come on, are you good or are you bad? Did I say this? Was that good or was that bad? Oh, I did this. Was that good or bad? How many of us feel presenting things to people? Oh, is that good or bad? Come on, we're all, we're all like that. We want to be good. But we have a conscience that actually starts, an evil conscience in our heart that actually starts telling us, oh, we're bad. We're bad. We're bad. Helping the tempter. Helping the tempter get us what? Angry. Helping the tempter build fear. Man, Satan is in the evil conscience, because he planted the seed. He planted that seed. So, who told? I love. <laughs> who told you you were naked? If I told you all up, just come on, undress. Come up here naked. <laughs> I had a dream about this. I was starting to undress you know? And I was like, I am not naked, right? I can bear it all, right? Okay, this is not old me, <laughs> I've never done that. but there is a time Adam and Eve, their conscience, when they ate from the tree of knowledge, now they knew they were naked. So that's where the root really started, okay? We want to be transparent, We want to be transparent with our relationship with God so we don't get sucked into the tempter. Man, we've got to be naked. I love it. You have to know what your mind is distinguishing. Okay? You actually label and decide what is good and evil, regardless of the word. It's almost when we're born, we're born into sin, and people start teaching you what's wrong and right, wrong and right, wrong and right. Do you know what I mean? Then you start living with a roommate in college, and you're like, "They don't do it right." <laughs> no, this is what I learned at home. No, this is what I learned at home. <laughs> okay, you see it in college all the time. I was a resident advisor. Trust me, the first week of school, they would come down. To my, I don't like my roommate. Why don't you like your roommate? I swear, I was already in mode to work with people's discrepancies. So, you know, even when I was a school teacher, and kids would come up to my desk. Remember, it is hidden. There are hidden things what you know, but do not want others to know. Our mind is in prison, in captivity of the judgment of good and evil because it started in the fall. God wants us to be the tree of life. He wants us to enter in and be the tree of life. This is a naked person (laughs) who is prosperous, has a source of supply, hears answers from God and has angels restraining his life. That is a transparent person, and from his belly, what? River shall flow, and it will be from the source of God. It won't be from their self-source, okay? The tempter wants to stop you guys from being the tree of what? Life, thinking too much about the tree of knowledge. What's good? What's evil? Okay, so like a rubber band. (laughs) Like a rubber band, okay, And these are small. I really actually need one size bigger if you have one size bigger. Satan uses our conscience as a con man to build his kingdom in your heart. He uses that evil part that we were born with in our conscience because of the fall of man so that he could actually build his kingdom, Satan's kingdom, in your mind. Here's how you know, one, there is a force of judgment that you have upon yourself. Am I good? Am I bad? And you actually base it on your performance and then holding us to the tree of knowledge, the plaint where we have to choose good and evil. God didn't ask us. That means you'd know you're naked. But you. he wants you to examine yourself based on the word of God so he can build a tree of life. And that person does not know they're naked. Do you guys get this? You're seeing the difference. All right. So, oh, hold on. I have to go to a different page here. I wrote down. See, I need a bigger rubber band. It's going to have to go through. Yeah, yeah, these are good. Okay. What do you want me to repeat? Okay. All right. There is a force in your conscience that wants to judge yourself in the conception of knowledge of good and evil. We're already born in it. I see people suffer it every day. I see myself suffer it. I mean, come on. And you base it on the performance you were born into and everybody told you you would be. But now, I love this, holding us to that tree of knowledge instead of to the tree of life. When God, when Christ enters in your heart, it's all now started. You are moving out of that tree of good, identifying yourself as good or evil and moving into the gifts of the Spirit and moving and advancing in what God has called you to do here on this earth. I'm going to tell you, you cannot judge another person whether they're good or evil. You are wrong if you're doing it. We are to look at what the Word of God is examining us so we can be the tree of life. All right, here's the other thing. Our conscience mind can overfunction; it restricts us, robbing us of the freedom of Christ. Now, let me tell you a story. We're going to get to the rubber bands. I got two two samples on this. When I when Rachel was little, I love that girl. She is my best testimony. I was I was a typical first mom. She is going to be perfect. The room is going to be everything's going to be perfect. This girl's never going to get hurt. Everything is awesome. Why? Because I bathe her every night. I do this. Blah 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 blah. Right. I leave her in the room on the floor. I go to the kitchen. I come back, and there she is, cute in her little dress. And she has a little, I was so cute. Cotton balls were in the cotton container. I had everything so adorable, right? Well, I had this thing of little hairbands, little hairbands about this size, right? I walk in, and here is Rachel. Her wrist, she just keeps putting them on her wrist. They're smaller than her wrist. So what did I see when I came into her room? Her hand, I was like, her hand was almost completely black. She was putting them on, hat sitting there, not even knowing something was getting cut off. The blood flow was getting cut off into her hand, okay? And I was like devastated, feeling like a what? I'm a bad parent. I didn't monitor my child. I am like this, I'm taking those off hers. I am rubbing her hand. I'm like, oh, let her hand, it was black, I mean, no kidding. She's got beautiful hands. I'm telling you, God still protected her, but I loved how I already put myself in as a what? A bad parent. Do you know how many times a seed of a bad parent? And I, I thought I had it all pictured right, but it wasn't about that. My conscience already judged myself. Okay. My conscience. And it was already deciding whether if I was a good parent. Don't let people do that. When you, when love is in force, cause faith comes through, faith is through what? Love. We got to be in the tree because we have to know that that faith works through love. Man, I love my daughter. I should have never let that seed get planted that I did a bad job. I was a good mommy. Look at her. She's got her, you know what I mean? She's a good kid. We can't judge ourselves by the outcome of something. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to take our conscious mind and keep it over functioning over and over and over, restricting and robbing us from the freedom of Christ. Number three. It can produce, our evil conscience can produce self-judgment onto others, damaging other relationships. This is incredible. And isolating ourselves. How many of us have been there? Come on. (laughs) When temptation comes, watch it, the rubber band. Come here, Carrie. (laughs) This is so cute. I hope it works. But Carrie rolled his eyes. So the one who rolls his eyes was judging it. Take a seat. Okay. No, I don't. I was looking in the room. I was going to pick for the one who didn't want to do it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm getting to that. All right. It is a weak. It is weak. Our conscience is weak, forcing us to fight to do good rather than evil. Instead of being strong in him and his word. God wants to speak to us. Now, think about this. If we have conscience, evil thoughts, and they're like Rachel's hand, cutting off the circulation, you cannot what? Hear God. You, can, you actually stop doing what? Communing with God. Because your conscious judgment has already, it's a band. Okay? It's a band. Okay? <laughs> This is what I saw. Okay? An evil thought. Another evil thought. Okay? Another evil thought. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. So now our conscience can tell us, our conscience, and now wait, think about this. Our conscience, hey, it can tell us good. Hold on. Our conscience can tell us good things, but then we can actually perform the bad thing because we've already decided that's what makes us good, but it's not what the Holy Spirit told us. So when it's time for our evil mind to think, okay, Satan comes like this. (laughs) Did that hurt? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) All right, if you have bands. If you, are, I'm sorry. I feel. Can <laughs> I take them off? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. See, evil conscience. Evil conscience. Okay? Let me hear. What? Do you not feel the love? Not the other side. It hurts. Okay. it hurts right here. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Carrie, thank you, thank you. I really mean that. But do you see when your mind has these bands wrapped around it? What's it doing? It's restricting your ability to hear the Holy Spirit. It's restricting your ability to move in what God has for you. And what has God had for us? He has for us to be happy. He has for us to be prosperous. He doesn't want us to be angry, full of fear, and all these other things that attack us. He doesn't want us sick. The moment we get attacked with a sickness, what happens? (gasps) Got to go to the hospital. Got to go do this. Got to do this. Do that. I mean, come on. It hurts. Carrie, it hurts. Right? Because, right, we have to have faith. If If you are growing up in the tree of life, it says you will be tested. Your faith will be. But there's an assurance that if you hold on, if you are seeking God, and it's already been prophesied, or what has ever been told you, or what he has shown you, it is going to what? happen. But it's going to be in God's good time. It's going to be in how he wants to do it. So I want you to keep in mind, you can't go around your conscience. If you are really taken out on others, man, whose conscience is evil? The one that's functioning in you. You're not evil. It's all preconceived thoughts. We get into this flow of thinking that, of thinking our conscience, oh, I know. I, I've learned right from wrong. I know that's right. But if it was never submitted to God, it becomes self-centered. Because sometimes I'll tell you, in the miracles that happened to me, the things that have not made sense. The things that God has asked me to do, I immediately go, that's wrong. No, that's right. No, that's wrong. No, no, I'm not doing it. You know, he tests us in our moves of where we're going. And this is where it brings us into Satan loves self-pity. He loves to keep us in self-pity. Our conscience can deceive us right into self-pity. Jesus came to teach us compassion. We're going to talk about the two different. Who is influencing your conscience? We want to be able to discern whether the temptation is self or to discern whether if it's God. And that takes time in the Word. That takes time with worship. That takes time... In your relationship with God. Your conscience is not your guide. Have you ever heard that statement? The conscience is your guide. Let your conscience be your guide. Your conscience is not your guide, but guess what it is? It is a resource. It can still, it can still help you. I'm not saying dish your conscience. I'm saying get in the word, get in a relationship, and know are you functioning in your conscience of self or are you functioning in your conscience with God? Okay? Remember, we taught about the blessing blockers. Self-hate, self-will, self-pity, self, 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 self. When he says, I want you to be in himself, he wants himself in us. Satan's plan is goal, thinking of yourself as God with a heart of stone to stop. It says, lest you trip on a stone, turn a stone into bread, bread is life but a stone stops a stone is the enemy that is something that stops your ability and to actually be in a god-centered focus a stone puts you in a self-centered movement and it blocks the advancement of the kingdom all right self-pity all right, now we're gonna. I got you some judgment. You know, you're gonna put out some things. You're gonna tell you gonna tell yourself if you have self pity. Satan wants his prophets to protect the stone that lies in your heart of the conscience mind. Satan wants to touch that stone. He wants to keep those stones in your conscience so you can't commune. He blocks you from communing, or able to even hear him. So here it is, Satan. Remember, he uses, he wants his prophets to protect the stone in your heart. It is his protection plan. It's Satan's protection plan. Unforgiveness, shame, rejection. Here are the signs. So remember, we don't want to think of ourselves as a God. We want to rely on God. Okay? We're learning and growing how to do what? Rely on God. So the first sign of self-pity is that you resist change. You resist change. Every time God's about to move you into something new, you actually can start what? Resisting the change. Self-pity means you are being controlled by a problem, a trial, or, oh, I'm sorry. Um, resisting change means you are doing self-absorption or abortion. Okay. If you are resistant to change, then you are doing self-absorption. About me. It's about me. It's about me. I don't want the change because it doesn't fit for me. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Okay? Or you're doing abortion. You are cutting yourself out completely. Come on, how many people have done that? What about me? What about me? What about me? And then it's like, all right, cut myself out. I'm gonna abort this. I'm gonna abort that the spirit of abortion in Savannah is so strong. People aborting their missions for God. Abort if you have self-pity, you are either focusing on yourself absorption about me, about me. and we all do that. I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad if you do it. Remember, I'm not working out of the, the will of knowledge. I mean, I'm not working out of the tree of knowledge here. I'm not trying to decide if you're, I do cut it out. Don't look at if you resist change. That means you're good or you're bad. Okay. Be open to know that if you resist change, it's the tempter trying to get you to do two things. Be absorbed in yourself or to abort what God has for you. You guys get this? Okay. The second thing is you feed on sympathy of others. You feed on sympathy. Being controlled by someone else's problem, by someone else's trial, by someone else's complaining, and you're you're working in their kingdom and not yielding to what God has shown you to do. You actually start getting absorbed in someone else's world and life. I'm going to tell you, when I felt the ripping on Rachel's graduation day, I heard she She has to do it now. I can't tell her what to do, so I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But then, you know, sometimes when she asks me for my blessing, (laughs) she opens me back in to let her have an opinion, right? So, but (laughs) it is kind of cute. But there comes a time where when she comes to me or a person comes to you and they want you to get on their bandwagon of what their problem, what their trial, we should be turning them into a God-centered focused. Not jumping on, oh, let me see how I can do this for you. Let me see how I can do that for you. Let me see how I can, come on, how many people of us got absorbed in other people's lives thinking we got to take care of them? When we, Jesus is there, to, he is a lover of our soul. If you got a problem, you got a soul issue. Okay, there's something in your conscience. God's trying to move you out of the tree of knowledge and put you in the tree of life. Okay, so do not feed on other people's problems, trials. others, Let me tell you. When I've learned to pastor in this ministry, sometimes they come on me. I start thinking about their problem more than what's going, what I got to do. I feel it jump on me. And then I was like, Phew, wipe that out, <laughs> right? You can actually feel those things. The tempter comes to get you off what? Track, trust me, all your friends and everybody's going to have a problem right now. While you're going through these next few, who's going to have a problem? What's going to be wrong? Who is complaining? All you to keep doing is turn them back to Jesus. Turn them back to rely on. God. I was laying in my bed after this trip. Just, this is all marinating during this time. I'm laying on my pillow. My hand is over the edge of the bed. Rachel comes in, and she's talking, talking, talking. She is what? Complaining about everything that happened when I was away. I was like, okay, good. You don't care. Rachel, I do care. I'm listening. <laughs> no, you are not listening. <laughs> do you know what I mean? She kept she kept pressing. She kept pressing onto me because she, I wasn't responding. I would tell her, well, what did God tell you? Oh. When you get with somebody, you say, well, what is God telling you? right? Okay. So signs of self-pity. You know, God is bringing a temptation to you to get you off track and to be in someone else's life. We I know you get this. All right. Do you know the signs change of resistance feeding onto sympathy? Lack of initiative is the third one. You can't move forward because you are stuck in your own problem. You are stuck in your own anger. You are defeated in your own complaining. You are stuck in your own perversion, love of money, pride. So you are stuck in a sickness. You can't break that cycle of sickness. Why? Because you're stuck. It's a lack of initiative of what? We are intuition. We are supposed to what? Commune with God. Seek God for the answers. When we are too busy thinking about the what? The force, the cycle. What would I call it? I called it, um, what do you call it? What I call it? an overfunctioning cycle that keeps happening. All right, here's the fourth one. The fourth one is, all right, this is a toughie because we've all been here. <sighs> Are you jealous? Okay, jealousy. When self-pity hits to get you in your emotions, somebody comes in your life and you're jealous. You want what the other one has. You want what they talk about. You, and then all the time, you're getting angry about what they have. When really, it's probably connected to what God is sending you. I mean, it is so real. Self-pity gets jealous because they're not looking up. They're looking out. All right? So there's a jealousy that actually hits where they actually think they want what the other has. Didn't you remember the song that we just sang? God has something that special shines on you. God has a great love for you. God has a great plan for you. Okay? Everybody in here is special. Everybody in here has a special plan. Do not look at other people because what you have is better than what that other person has. What I have is better than what because why? It's self-tailored design just for me. Okay? And that's what we have to remember. All these signs come from self-centered, focused moaning, wanting in your hunger. We want in our hunger because we all want to gain something. You've got to know where that motive is. We want in our hunger for our own gain, which keeps us out of the rest of the soul. He came to give us peace in the soul. When you have grown spiritually, you can't do it all in one year. Every year you've got something to grow. Every year you've got something to deal with. But he's going to mature you into rely on him. The more we stop relying on him... What's he going to do? Bring more circumstances Well, you will cry unto him. You will cry unto him to know what the plan is. All right, is this good? You know what? I don't even want to get into the subconscious mind because that's just a whole deep other conversation. <laughs> I do have notes on that, but I'm going to pass. We actually, self-pity is a rebellious thing. Psalms 68.6. It is a rebellious thing. Our evil conscience wants us to rebel in what we don't have faith in. When God already gave you the faith and what and He showed you, but you have to wait for the time of receiving. It says God sets the solitary, which is also means lonely, in families. Isn't that awesome? We're a family. Do you know what I mean? This gives me hope. I'm in a family here. I mean, I cry for this family because I don't have. I don't feel like I have another family. This is my real family here. I love this building. I love every people in it. You're going to make me break. But I know I was a lonely person in the world. God set me in a family. All right. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. That means when our evil conscience is banded, he is going to bring you out to put you in what? Prosperity. Okay. He came to set the captives free and break the prisoners out of their jail cells. That's our soul. Man, we can't help somebody out until we get it done in us. He actually brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Everybody who walks in this door was bound of something. He brought you here to have a family. He brought you here to get you into prosperity. And most of all, but the rebellious, they will dwell in a dry land. Hey, as those rubber bands were on Rachel's wrist, what was happening? No blood flow. Her hand was becoming what? dead. It was becoming, we actually, if we stay in the way we are, okay, and we fall into the temptation, you are going to suffer a dry land when God has you in a prosperous land. So do not have self-pity. We break that off in the name of Jesus because self-pity is going to hold back our season. And that's what he's trying to hit us in the temptation. Come on. Self-need, self-elevation, self-receiving. We're in a world that can do it so easily. We can do it so easily. Hebrews, I love it. What is the, I, now my Bible said, the rebellious lives in a sun-scorned land. What is a sun-scorned land? Anger, lust, sickness, demons, perversion, love of money. Man, when we get into ourself, we start to what? dry up we start to dry up because we left our true source we decided that the conscience our evil conscience was going to be our source when it was never our source the holy spirit in us dwelling in us in relationship with God—that that is our source man we got to be okay being what naked okay who told you you were naked temptation tries to tell you that you're naked you don't have anything (laughs) you're not going to get elevated you're never going to receive All right, now we're going to move into Hebrews 8.12. I love Hebrews 8.12 because now we're going to shift. Now I told you how the enemy is going to work. Now I'm going to tell you what you got to do with Jesus. Jesus is here to bring you victory. Everybody great with this? Okay. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will be merciful to their righteousness. (laughs) Unrighteousness. Sorry, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember what no more man when you get into who you were relying on You are gonna tap into that Holy Spirit and you're gonna ask if you ask he will what? Answer you have to get into a place where like I'm not going to rely on what my self-conscience is telling me I'm gonna go right to the source. The source is the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit is going to bring you into a place to give you an answer so you don't, hey, am I being tempted by self or am I being God-centered? Boy, you'll hear that yes and no really quick. Come on. The Holy Spirit there is to convict. It's a source to let us know when we're getting off path. Everybody's been in here where they've gotten on path, got off path, and the whole time they know it. But they want what they want. And then he reels us back in. Jesus, okay, so... (laughs) That, I just want you to know, this is for all of us. This is for all of us. He has mercy and loving and kindness for all of us. He has justice for all of us. So do not get welled up in self-pity thinking you're being picked on. He's just trying to mature you. Mature your conscience into be a conscience that is a discerning conscience for him. And how does he do that? Oh, put up. Jesus came to move us out of the captivity of self-pity and into compassion. How do we start doing that? Philippians four eight nine. Philippians four eight nine. What time do we start, Todd? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, this is what. Don't think on self. Think on this. We're not going. We're going to get out of self pity with this verse. If you think you have self pity, you better write this verse down. Carry it in your pocket, close to your heart. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble. Whatever things are what? Just. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good, what? Report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will what? Be with you. For us to even step into the realm of compassion, you got to have this mindset. You, we cannot step in the realms of a compassion because if we do, we are really set, set. We are settling into the word pity. We can feel sorry for people, and we can think we're having mercy, but we're actually we're actually being used by Satan. Okay, this is the way you have to think. This is the way we are to encourage. We are to meditate on these. And there is a period of time in our development when we're in the rest he's already taught us he's already taught us the word he's already taught us where to be he already shows you these things we have to be in the rest to test our faith that we are going to receive what we heard and what we saw and he says and if you believe you will have what peace which means you'll have what rest you will stay in the rest all right so now let's learn about jesus's victory now this is his way remember Pity means to have concern for an suffering. That's a good heart, but that doesn't mean maturity in Christ. Compassion means, you ready here? This is deep. Because a pity can focus on someone's sickness and keep feeding into that sickness the whole time. Compassion doesn't do that. It says, compassion is to have a strong bowels and love for people who miss the faith and trust in God. man. Can you, when you meet somebody who doesn't have God and has lost and God puts you in your face, do you ever feel that like, oh, they don't have him? Compassion, Jesus shows us in Matthew 9, 35 and 38 what true compassion is. It has strong bowels, like in your gut, that you have love for people who miss the faith and trust in God, who miss his love, who miss the way, who miss the plan, who miss the promises. Jesus had a deep compassion for people. Why? Jesus went about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? compassion for them because now here we go this is why we have compassion because they were weary they were scattered they were like sheep having no shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is truly plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray the lord of the harvest to send out the laborers, into his harvest. Go back to the screen before. When we have compassion for people in the body of Christ and people, you know, lost people or anybody that we come into, we have to have compassion because they don't even know they belong to a family. Oh, come on. They're like sheep having no shepherd. That is compassion. He says he never misses one. When people move in and out and they're growing, God wants them to know there's a place I have for you and a shepherd. There is somebody in God that I'm going to bring you to to shepherd you up, to take you out of your weariness, to take you out of being scattered. Man, we are missing it. We are shifting gears thinking that we are helping people who are sick, but we really don't have compassion to help them find their shepherd. It's the truth. That is, man, when I was reading that verse, it was like, oh, I felt it in the bowels of my stomach. And then I just start crying. I start crying for people. I started seeing dead people, darkness after I got this revelation the other day. People in Savannah that have holes through them, that they have no light and their bodies are being worn down. And he said, and people don't pray for them. He says, therefore, we are to what? Pray to the Lord. Of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Go back. I think it's awesome because everybody in here has been weary. Everybody has been scattered, even when they're in the house. And see, the tempter wants to touch on your weariness. He wants to touch on your scattered thoughts. He wants to put that band onto your conscience to keep you in the wrong cycle of thinking. And he wants you to actually think you have no shepherd when we're looking at shepherd here in this ministry. We are looking, we have good apostolic covering. We have picked up another level of apostolic covering. We are safe because our apostolic coverings know who the true apostle is, Jesus. Jesus came to set our eye for the weary, the scattered. Do they have a shepherd? Are they relying on the shepherd? Jesus, we're not here to control you. We're here to get you to grow up and do what? Press into the, first, you, know, you have to ask, invite in the Holy Spirit. Then you have to what? Ask Jesus to change your what? Soul, because he's the lover of it. And then God is going to bring you his presence. He is going to, you are going to go out with his presence. And he's going to show you what to do. Because you've known how to receive a family. Isn't this awesome? All right. Um, I have a note here to go to another page, which means I had other notes written on this. It says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Are you a laborer? Are you a laborer? Or is your heart of stone with a sword stuck in it? Oh, my gosh, this is so powerful. Okay. Now I know. This is amazing, okay? I'm good. I got it. Okay. How many, how many people know the story, the sword and the stone? Yeah. I, I had this vision of the sword and a stone. Now think about this. A stone is what you don't want, okay? A laborer is to be sent. They will not worry about their need. They will not worry about their self-elevation. They won't even worry about the rewards that they will receive. They know that they're sent so that they can get the laborers into his harvest. Next screen. It's all in the same one? There, oh, Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Is one who works are by faith and they have a labour of love for him for his people their wages are the souls from the fruit of love some of you have a sword in the stone lest you what lest you fall and trip on the what stone faith in christ brings the compassion faith brings his compassion repentance brings god's compassion compassion releases debt matthew 18:27 and i'm going to get to the sword because i t- i got ahead on that but it's good matthew 18:27 it says then the master of the servant was moved with what compassion compassion did what released him And forgave him of the debt. What debt are you holding in self-pity that you haven't received his compassion? That you can even know that you can be released of that debt. Compassion is a deep cry, Matthew 20, 29 through 34. Compassion is a deep cry. He wants to hear our cry. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, saying, have what? Mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them, and they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want for me to do to you? They said to him, Lord, that your uh, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had what? Compassion. And he touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Isn't this beautiful? That means when we know how to receive and get rid of our self-pity, and know how to receive his love, receive his way, what's going to happen to our eyes? They're going to open because God heard our cry. The Lord Jesus sits up there. He wants to hear our what? Our voice from the heart. There is a desire in our hearts as a matured son. If you are living in the tree of life, then you want, you have a desire for others to be free. When Christ enters into you, how many people just want to talk about God's freedom? Talk about what you experienced when your mind was set free. All right? We actually have a compassion that should be full of empathy, not sympathy. Empathy is actually the ability to share the feelings that it does other experiencing and pressing into God for their release. Because in the release, they'll see. In the release, their debt will be forgiven. All right, Hebrews 5.2. This is why we're supposed to be this way. We are supposed to have Jesus' compassion for the sheep, the scattered, the lost, for those who don't have a shepherd or a family because he even said he can have compassion. That means us. He is us on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to what? Weakness. We are to be constantly in the cycle of helping each other because we ourselves still have what? Weakness. That's how we build the body of Christ. Jesus died for our communion through the regenerated spirit of the Holy Spirit to be God-centered. We're to help everybody get what? God-centered, not self-centered. Now, I want to read this before I, give, I end with these last scriptures. And the time is good. How's everybody? You're good? Okay, good. The sword in the stone. I saw this vision, and I didn't even read the book King Arthur or anything like that, but I saw a sword in the stone, and he said, that's the church today, where they already had the word, but when it entered in, it entered in through their stony heart. And if anybody knows the myth, they live in the myth of King Arthur, thinking that somebody's going to come and pull it out. But here's the cool thing about the story of King Arthur. King Arthur was a little boy with a heart for change. God anointed him to take that that sword, and he just pulled it out of the stone when all the years it sat in the stone. See, angels will lift us up lest we dash our foot with a stone. That means we actually stay in a hard place. And the sword that God tried to enter into our lives. Satan used. Satan mimics the sword. He did it in temptation. He used the word to get Jesus off his path. He wanted that sword, his sword, to get stuck in a stone. Stone was used twice in the temptation. Turn bread into turn the stones into bread even that he wasn't to do that. When we're hungry, sometimes we can actually take a word from the enemy and we can actually start abiding it. And all it does is it sits in a stone, a hard place. The Lord is so awesome. I heard this. Satan uses the sword, the word of God, to harden the hearts of a believer by working on their self-pity, keeping them defeated In anger, keeping them defeated in fear. Sickness, lust, demons, pervert, everything. It takes the king of kings to remove the stony heart. It takes the true word of God. The word of God is what? Sharper. And it pierces to the division of the soul and spirit. And the what? Joints and marrow. I never got that when I first heard that. What does the joints and marrow have to do with it? It means if you the king of kings doesn't bring you that word for your faith in that season and you do not stand on it. That means you are actually going to experience physical evidences of a hard heart. How many people in the body of Christ do you feel for that know their Bible? But they have dashed their foot upon a stone and the word that Satan tried to use is now in the stone and it's hard. Don't you have compassion for that? I mean, I sat in a church and didn't even know the Holy Spirit was in me. I wasn't even I wasn't even trying to read the word. I think about the people that I have met that were in the church, knew the word, jumping up and down, and their hearts were as hard as stone. God was not, I mean, that word stone, it hit me like a rock. (laughs) We are not to get stuck in the stone. We are not, we are to, we've got to move that stone. We have to confess and stand on the living God who gave us the rock of the word. We are to stand on the rock, holding the sword of the word and the shield of faith. Do you get it? This is so awesome. Now, here we go. Here's the last few verses. They're so awesome. God wants us to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee. Here we go, Todd. Ready? These are the last few verses. Jesus died for this communion through the regenerated spirit. So he tells us, Ezekiel 11, 19. This is awesome. This is going to be boom. Boom. The sword is going to change some thoughts right now. The Lord has anointed me. In him, to take the sword out and to rise it up in the truth of the word, to discern the movement of the heart, okay? To rightfully divide what is dealing with us in the flesh. He says, then I will give them what? One heart. Man, we belong to a family so we can have one heart. And I will put a what? A new spirit within them. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. He means compassion, compassion, a bellowing compassion for those that don't have him. Go to Psalms 51.10. He reminds us again, Psalms 51.10, that we have to create in me. This is David calling out. We're David. We are worshipers. Create in me. A clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. That is not a spirit that has the sword of Satan in their stony heart. That's a person who holds the word, holds the shield of faith, and knows that he has exchanged that heart out. Temptation wants to keep the what? The heart hard like stone. He reminds us, Jeremiah 24, 7. Jeremiah 24, 7. We're down to the last three verses. Aren't you excited? 23.7 says, Then I will give them a heart to what? We have the ability with the King of kings. Jesus reigns on this earth, has given us dominion to grow.